Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, welcome back. Darren Mitchell here on yet another hump day, Wednesday, the 14th of September, 2022. And you're listening to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. So great to have you on board as we get to the hump of the week. Trust you've been having a phenomenal week so far and looking forward to uh, taking advantage of all the opportunities as we slide into the back end of the week. And to that end, I've been having a number of conversations. And in fact, one of the workshops I've run this week uh, was all to do with helping teams become more productive and, and essentially being able to supercharge their productivity. Now, one thing I've noticed more and more, especially in 2022, as we get out of the back end of this pandemic, when people are getting back together, is the continual and yet relentless focus on results. And certainly from senior leaders expecting sales leaders and their teams in particular to become sometimes miracle workers just to deliver the results. Now, when this happens, and I was having a conversation with a number of people this week, it's often that sales leaders in their teams and individuals within the teams can become quite overwhelmed with all of the expectations, all of the either direct pressure or sometimes the implied pressure that is placed upon them. The KPIs, the expectations, all the different requirements that salespeople have to adhere to and have to have on their uh, role descriptions so as, so as to be successful, quote unquote, in the eyes of the business. In other words, for the business to tick all of the relevant boxes, but also thinking about all the different priorities that they have to handle and deal with when it comes to all the different stakeholders that they have to liaise with on a daily basis. And that's not just external stakeholders, it's often... Uh, all of the internal stakeholders, and particularly in the larger organizations, which are highly matrixed, uh, sometimes selling very complex solutions. There's a lot of people that get involved in a solution, and hence, there's a lot of people that we have to manage in relation to expectations, priorities, uh, and dare I say it, egos as well. And what this can lead to often is salespeople, sales leaders, uh, individual contributors, uh, sometimes literally putting their hands up and saying, hey, this is all too much. And they almost stagnate. They, they don't do anything. They Momentum stops because there's so many people who are coming from multiple different directions, all with, in many cases, their own agenda. Not necessarily looking at the bigger picture, just wanting to get their piece of the pie. Uh, and that causes a lot of overwhelm. Now, with this said, we need to understand that it's not going to necessarily change. So 2022 and beyond, there's going to be even more pressure. There's going to be even more expectations placed upon sales teams, particularly as we see revenue and sales projections maybe not as boisterous as perhaps they have been in the past due to some of the economic circumstances, inflation rates, cost of living, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of businesses, therefore, that will be a lot uh, playing a lot closer focus on their cost base, uh, what they do, where they spend their money, but also what sort of price... Uh, price structures are going to put in place for their products and services, which just by the way, adds another level of complexity for us as sales leaders and our sales teams. But at the same time, it also provides opportunity because what this will do is will enable the great salespeople, the exceptional salespeople and the exceptional sales leaders to rise to the top because they are focused on serving. They are focused on delivering tangible value, not simply focused on selling or flogging a product or a service and therefore retrofitting the square peg and uh, trying to put it into a round hole, which we know it does not work. So 
uh, out of today's podcast, wanted to talk about a few tips in terms of supercharging your team's productivity. Also applies for you as well as a sales leader. Uh, because what I find talking to a lot of uh, sales leaders, a lot of teams, is that they don't necessarily use specific frameworks in order to plan their day uh, or plan their activities, uh, prioritize, etc., etc. And many of them go through the day very organically and pretty much just handle stuff as it comes to them, which means they don't necessarily have a huge amount of control. And is it any wonder that at the end of the day, they look back and think, wow, what have I actually done today? And the answer to that question normally is, well, I've been really, really busy, but it's actually quite difficult to pinpoint exactly and specifically what I achieved today. So there's a number of hacks or, or tips, if you like, that I want to just run through at a high level, which I talked through with the team earlier this week, which hopefully will be beneficial, or certainly was beneficial to them, because a number of them had some aha moments and therefore... Hopefully, this is going to be beneficial to you and your team as well. And look, this is not rocket science. I haven't invented these. This is These have come from uh, minds greater than mine, but they're templates, uh, matrices, frameworks, if you like, that I know work because I've used them and continue to use them, and I teach them everywhere I can when it comes to productivity and helping teams become more effective and certainly helping sales leaders become more effective. So there's five different... Uh, areas that I wanted to focus on today. And the first one is to talk about, uh, well, I'll talk about the first one, which is the easy one first, which is email. And uh, I am staggered. And I ask this question all the time of, of groups when I run a workshop is I get them to put their hands up for those who have their email open all day, every day, particularly those who spend most of their time at their desk. Now, you may not be surprised to hear because you might be in the same boat here that probably about 95% of them will have their email open all the time and they will have their notifications on all the time. So every time a new email comes in, it goes bing and there's a little pop-up window in the top right or the bottom right-hand corner of their screen. And we know that unconsciously, we will continue to look at that every time the notification comes up because our brain is wired to respond to a signal such as that. As so think about Pavlov's dog every time the bell was rung. There was, a, there was a dog that thought he was going to be fed. Same concept here. It's the ding of the notification that says to us, oh, there's something we need to look at. So our attention is now transferred to that away from the task that we're doing at that particular moment. Now, I'm not going to talk about multitasking per se, but the tip around email is to turn your email off. Now, even when you have uh, email as a, f- a main form of communication within your business, I can guarantee you that if you don't respond to an email within two hours, the world is not going to fall in. And so when I suggest to people to turn their email off, it's almost like, well, you, you, want me, you want me to cut my arm off pretty much. And I said, no, no, we're going to turn email off at specific times throughout the day and only have email open at specific times throughout the day. Now, depending on your role and how important email is to your business and your particular role and what the communication channels are, uh, I'm going to suggest you have either two two sessions per day or three sessions per day where you dedicate that time to email. So for example, it could be half an hour in the morning, half an hour around lunchtime, and then half an hour towards the back end of the day. Now, what this will do is will give you some targeted focus on email, but also thinking about how you can structure your emails as well. So if you're using Outlook, for example, make use of all the different colors and make sure that all of the emails that are coming directly to you, that is, you're in the address to box, you might have in a specific color, everything that you are CC'd on, which basically is a carbon copy, so you don't have to action those emails, will be in a different color. And then you might have different people based on your uh, level of importance that you place on them. They might be in a different color as well. So from a visual perspective, when you open your email, you can actually see which ones I should be focused on first. 
you'd be probably focused on the VIP or the or the special people, the ones you've potentially done in uh, bright red or bright orange, whatever the case might be. Then then you'll be focused on the emails that are directed to you. Now, by having three sessions per day or two sessions per day, another thing is going to happen, which is quite interesting as well, is people will start to recognize that you are active on email at those particular times, which means if they want to get you on email and there's a high probability that you're going to be reading it and potentially responding to it, they will interact with you at that particular time. Now, if there's an email that is critically important, and I would say, hey, if something's really critically important, you wouldn't send an email first. You'd actually make a phone call or go and find somebody face-to-face. But if there is an important email, then you might follow up with a phone call. Uh, But what, what happens is you'll be focused for three different sessions per day on email. And then for the other time throughout the day, you can now focus all of your attention on other activities, which will drive increased productivity for you and your team. So think about how you can structure your day and having two or three sessions per day on email and just see what happens. You might be amazed at how much you actually get through, but also how many emails you actually read and and interact with that are really meaningless and you really shouldn't be looking at them anyway, which is just a time vampire. Which brings me to the the next little tip, and that is the big rocks metaphor. Now, many of you may have heard about big rocks but I'm amazed at how many times I mentioned big rocks in, in workshops and seminars and how many people have never heard of that. And it just says to me that I we often get really sometimes, well, sometimes complacent that we know or we think we know and we think everybody else knows a lot of this stuff, which is not rocket science, but it's really effective. But the danger is uh, we, can, we can then vet, therefore minimize the importance of it and the impact it has. So we can almost take it for granted that people know this. Now, I'm going to assume that you don't know about big rocks, so therefore I'm going to give you a bit of a, a bit of a rundown on what the big rocks metaphor is. And I will encourage you to look up YouTube and type in big rocks, big rocks metaphor, and there's a number of videos that uh, demonstrate this in a visual sense really, really well. But essentially, the big rocks is a metaphor for all the activities that we have and all the priorities that we have and what order we should do it. So what is the le- level of priority? The big rock is, for all intents and purposes, the most important thing that you should get done. It is the big goal, the big outcome, the big objective we're trying to hit. And so that should be the number one priority. But then you're going to have some things called little rocks or little pebbles, sometimes they're referred to, which are the KPIs and the activities that we need to get done in order to move towards achieving the big rock. So they might may not necessarily be as important as the big rock. They certainly are important insofar as if we don't do them, there's very limited opportunity for us to achieve the big rock. So that would be the second level priority. We then have activities known as sand. And sand activities, funnily enough, is what I've just referred to as email is one classic example. Now, there'll be people who are listening to this to say, no, no, email is very important because you don't understand my business is all run by email. Hey, I'm not talking about it. I'm not talking to you specifically. For most organizations, email is a vortex and is a waste of time. It is sand activity. It's easy to do. It's easy to get involved in. It's easy to get uh, sucked into that vortex. And sometimes you can spend hours upon hours doing email and get to the end of the day and have actually more emails in your inbox than when you started at the beginning of the day and you had email open all day. So there are other activities that might be considered sand, such as uh, ad hoc meetings, such as reporting. It's just thinking about these are the things that are easy to do, but don't necessarily move the dial and certainly don't lend us to giving us an opportunity to moving towards achieving the big rock. And then you're going to have water. And water is considered to be some of the things that happen throughout the day that we don't necessarily plan for, but have the opportunity or the uh, the ability to knock us off our focus and therefore distract our attention. So the metaphor is 
it starts with a vessel and a vessel could be a bucket or a glass jar and many of the videos you see on YouTube around the big rocks metaphor will use a glass vessel of some sort uh, the way people do it is this is what normally happens people will start their day and the vessel represents a parcel of time that time could be an hour it could be a day it could be a week what most people do is they'll start to fill up that vessel with the activities which are really easy to do which are by the way sand activities so what you'll see is the sand starts to get poured into the vessel now whether that's a quarter fill half fill a third fill whatever the case might be that vessel is now getting filled out with activities which means there's less room for the small pebbles the kpis that we need to get done the activities that we must get done in order to get that big rock there's less room for that but then all of a sudden we think oh i better do those activities so we start to put some small pebbles into that particular glass jar when that happens you'll find that the sand that's already in there it's very hard to penetrate those small pebbles into the sand and all of a sudden we're running out of time then it comes to the big rock and we think oh my god i should have been working on this big activity this is the big outcome i'm trying to get to i don't have time to do it and you try to put the big rock into the vessel when there's already sand and small pebbles in there there's no room for it so and then when there's water that gets poured in which are the things that potentially happen that we don't plan for all of a sudden the vessel overflows so we don't get anything done so the big rocks metaphor is one which is this is the order in which you do things if you place a big rock into an empty vessel that is you start with your big rock first when you've got a huge amount of time available to then all of a sudden you're starting to make progress on that what that does is it creates some space around that big rock for the small pebbles the small kbis to be done that will fit around that big rock then you'll find there's some time to maybe do some email and this is why doing email at one or two or three sessions per day enables you to have some space that's created to do those emails and the sand will now start to penetrate and fill the gaps that have been created by those small pebbles and the big rocks and then when there's water that's thrown in to a, a vessel that has started with a big rock has then had small pebbles fill the gaps created by the big rock and sand that's been put in over the top of that which is filling the spaces created by the small pebbles there's a much higher probability of pretty much all of that water staying in the vessel so the metaphor is the order in which we do things now What's really interesting about this is you might have one big rock and you might have some uh, people you're dealing with, could be internal or external stakeholders who have a different big rock as well. So there might be a bit of a, a conflict there. And this is where communication comes in and this is why it's important to have conversations about understanding who's got a big rock, what is the big rock, and hopefully come to some sort of arrangement as to where we can actually prioritize so that we both get our big rocks taken care of in the, in the day, in the week, in the month. The next part of this is thinking about, okay, you might have a, a big rock, you might have some priorities you're working on, but you're not quite sure as to which one you should be focused on first because you might have a couple of pebbles, for example, a couple of small rocks. You think, well, I need to work out which one to do first. And instead of just flipping a coin, there is a method to do this and it's known as the urgent versus important matrix. Originally uh, devised by Dwight Eisenhower in the Second World War, but more recently made into mainstream by uh, Stephen Covey when he wrote the book The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So it's about urgency versus importance. So what you'll find is you'll be working on a lot of things and this is what I say to most teams between 90 and 95% of your time will be spent on working on things that are both urgent and important. So it could be things you've got on your own plate. It could be things that others are being asked you to do and we call this the quadrant of production. So when you're in the quadrant of production you're working on stuff that's urgent and important. Uh, it's very difficult to be proactive. You feel as if you're quite reactive. You're doing a lot of stuff and sometimes it feels like you're going from crisis to crisis or putting out fires 
left, right, and center. But just think about the normal day-to-day operations of most businesses. There's most people who are working in the quadrant of production, but they're not necessarily knowing consciously that they're doing that. So being able to look at the activities and say, okay, how urgent is this and how important is this? And making an assumption, which by the way, often becomes quite subjective and that's okay, but you need to have some form of measurement at least to then have a metric to measure this by. So quadrant of production is the first quadrant where we'll be working on stuff that is important and it's urgent. Where we want to spend a bit more of our time is on the quadrant of quality. And the quadrant of quality is where we're working on things that are not urgent, but they are important. And by the way, the quadrant of quality and the quadrant of production are the only two quadrants where your big rocks can be because big rock by its very definition is a very important thing. Now, if you're working more in the quadrant of quality, you've got a bit more time. So it's not yet urgent and you have a bit more time to be proactive. You can be a little bit more strategic and you might have a little bit more bandwidth to actually start thinking and maybe even experimenting to get some things done. Now, even when we spend more time here, we're still going to spend a huge amount of time in the quadrant of production because it's just something we can't necessarily avoid. Hopefully, what you'll get out today, though, is is get some ideas around, okay, I've now got to look at all of the tasks and the priorities that I have, and I've now got to start asking myself the question and then others the question as to how important is this and how urgent is this, and get used to having that sort of conversation so at least gives you a bit of a filter to work out where I'm going to prioritize my time, and then you can start saying, well, in relation to whether this is a big rock or a small rock, where does it sit? So you can start to manage the expectations of others and therefore prioritize the areas that you're going to focus on to deliver those results. Quarter number three is sometimes we're working on stuff that is not important and it is urgent. However, we think we're working on stuff that is both important and urgent. And we call this the quadrant of deception. And the quadrant of deception is something that we want to avoid at all costs. So we simply have to get better at asking questions and working out how important is this task versus how urgent is it and really challenge people and and ask for people to back it up. If they say this is really urgent, ask questions. So what are the consequences if we don't get this report done by close of business today? What will happen if this doesn't happen? So thinking about those sort of things will make it a lot easier for us to then understand which priorities we should be prioritizing. And the last quadrant is the quadrant of waste where you're working on stuff that is not urgent and it is not important. So the question there is why are we doing it at all? Uh, And I'm amazed at the number of sales teams that I work with who, when you look at their diaries and look at their activity levels, they're working on a lot of stuff that actually doesn't make any difference whatsoever in terms of revenue generation, prospecting, or building uh, building relationships. So don't do it. Resist the temptation to do the things because sometimes they're really, really easy and they're really simple. You think, oh, just some low-hanging fruit, I'll just get rid of that. It's not actually a priority. And always ask the question, is this revenue generating or will this lead to something which is revenue generating? If the answer to that is no, then do not do it. So the third tip is what I call a decision-making matrix. And this is often used in conjunction with the importancy, importancy, important versus urgent matrix, particularly when you have uh, two or three activities or priorities that you don't seem to be able to separate in terms of which ones to work on first because you can't necessarily work on three things at once. So a, w- a way to make a decision is based on two dimensions. One is effort and one is the impact from that effort. So if something is relatively easy to do and it gives you a high impact or a high return, then this is called a quick win. Now, this is not a low-hanging fruit quick win because it presupposes that it has to be a high return. So working on something that will deliver a little return is not a quick win. Now, 
So if something's easy to do and it'll give you a big impact or a big return on that effort, then it's the first thing you're going to prioritize and that's what you do first because it's a quick win. If there's something that's also relatively easy to do and you'll still get a good impact but it won't be as big, then it's a potential quick hit or a potential quick win. You might also be working on stuff that might take you a little bit more time and might be a bit more difficult to do that requires you to invest more time in it, but it actually will give you a big return and that's worth the effort. So that's the third priority you can be working on things that might take a little bit more time. So they might chunk it down and break it up into different uh, bite-sized chunks, uh, but it's worth the effort. So that's the third priority. And then you're going to have things that are quite difficult to do and they're just going to have a, a minimal response or a minimal impact. So this is just hard slog. So this is the fourth priority. And in all honesty, probably something you wouldn't even focus on because it's just hard slog. So you'd focus on the quick wins first, then the potential quick hits. Then you'll focus on the things that are worth the effort. So that's a decision-making matrix that you can use in conjunction with the important versus urgent matrix, all thinking about in the context of the big rocks metaphor. And the final tip is to think about energy levels. And this is something that many leaders in particular overlook, not just for themselves, but also for their teams. And this is a really simple approach to think, okay, in the work day, and I know that different people have different work hours, but in the work hours that you put in each and every day, being really conscious of and thinking about what are your energy levels like at different intervals throughout the day. Now, there's graphs you can get where it maps out each hour interval and in terms of energy levels, and you can use a percentage or whatever measurement you want to use in terms of energy. But just thinking about this and and really what it does, it, it gets you to think individually about where are you at your most productive? Are you a morning person? Are you better in the middle of the day? Or are you an evening type person? Now, different people will be different and they'll have different approaches. There are some people who are very productive at the end of the day. And there are some people that are very productive at the beginning of the day. Now, there's many people that say, oh, we get up at 5 a.m. and that's when we do our workouts. Well, there are others who get up at 5 a.m. and they are incredibly incapable of being productive because they need their sleep. So one of the key things around productivity, certainly as a sales leader, is to be aware of your own energy levels throughout the day so that give yourself the opportunity to be strategic and think think strategically at the times when your energy levels are at their highest. And then when you do the same thing for your team, when you understand where your team's energy as is at its highest, then you can plan activities accordingly to take advantage of the energy levels of your team. And when you do that, you find your productivity of your team and the individuals and your productivity will go through the roof. Because there's nothing worse than trying to get a team who are a bunch of evening or late afternoon type people to do strategic thinking activities in the morning because that's when you are at your most productive. So being really conscious of that will not only help you become more productive as an individual, as a sales leader, but it'll also help you tap into and increase the level of productivity of your team by noticing where their energy levels are at various places throughout the day. So there are the five tips. Uh, Email, big rocks, urgent versus important matrix, decision making matrix, and mapping your energy levels throughout the day. So if you'd like any more information on this or would you like to have a conversation about this, do one of two things. Either send me an email of darren at darrenmitchell.com.au or go to leadwithdarren.com, pick a time that suits. We'll jump on Zoom, have a conversation. I'll even share with you some of the models in terms of templates you can use. And uh, if there's an opportunity, might even have a chat about how I can help you in your quest to become an exceptional sales leader. So look forward to that conversation. And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best.
thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.